Welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. I'd like to welcome Vitor Shaolin Black Belt and Maskerskaya Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu founder Alex Eklin. Alex recently competed in EBI 7, the Eddie Bravo Invitational No-Gi Submission-Only Tournament at Los Angeles. This episode and every episode is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Go over to savagegoldcoffee.com and uh, pick up a pound of coffee, t-shirt, or mug. We're in the middle of a crowdfunding uh, campaign right now for uh, our cold press facility. If you feel so inclined, please go over to GoFundMe and uh, you can make a donation or you can at the very least um, you know, repost it on your social media. Everything Went Black is also brought to you by Onnit and Datsusara. If you go to everythingwentblackmedia.com, you can check out the portals to go to each of those respective sites. To get at me on Twitter, it's at MikeHillHQ. I'm also on Facebook. Everything Went Black is also on Facebook. And give us a couple of likes or make comments on the episodes. Um, check out a bunch of videos we have up there. So let's get into it. All right, so thanks, Alex. Uh, we're here at Master Sky, right, right on the mats. And um, how long has this place been around? Um, well, uh, me and my partner, Ivor, we just got the keys on June 1st, but uh, we didn't have the mat yet. We, we got the mat about the second week of June, so about like six weeks. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's pretty new. Yeah, it's, it has that new uh, gym feel to it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, uh, but it's a lot of good energy here so far, I can tell right away. So is there a lot of guys from the old, the old camp coming around? Or? Um, a few, there's a few. Um, so before I used to teach at uh, Koban's uh, Muay Thai camp, I ran my own jiu-jitsu program there. And since then, a friend of mine, Casey, took over. Um, and a couple of those guys that were training with me, a couple of them uh, periodically stopped by here. But uh, it's actually a lot of new people, you know, people that found out about me through social media and then just from the neighborhood and just word of mouth. And this is a Vitor Shaolin affiliate? Yeah, it's an affiliate with my coach, Vitor Shaolin. Okay, and that's, that's where you, you have your black belt on. That's where I got my black belt from, exactly, yeah. Okay. So, uh, how was training for EBI 7? Uh, you know, I was I tuned in, yeah, yeah, I watched your performance, and uh, that's like a, a pretty big step up in competition. You had a very, very tough match against a very tough guy. Yeah, um, the preparation was good. You know, a lot of times when you're preparing for a tournament like that, like sometimes you're dealing with some injuries and things like that. Uh, luckily, I, w- I went in there 100%. I was, you know, which is kind of rare. Like, I, I wasn't really injured and stuff like that. Um, uh, I, ch- I-, I met up with some friends um, in my-, my new school, like, in the afternoons, and we did some drilling and some training specifically for UBI. Plus, I was still training at Shalins in, the, in Manhattan. Um, so just kind of like a little bit of a combination uh, in both places. Um, and, yeah, it was uh, it was really well. Just, yeah, it was a really tough opponent and. uh you know, yeah, it's, again, it's a really high-level uh, high competition and, you know, definitely excited to do more in the future. Now, the weight classes were a little bit different, uh, I noticed, with EBI because they're following more, like, the sort of MMA weight classes, like 145 is featherweight. Yeah. Um, is that typically a weight class? Because you've done MMA, you've done, you know, Muay Thai. Uh, is one, was 145 a, uh, a good weight for you to cut to? or? Uh, actually, I walk around at about 145. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I had my first MMA fight. Uh, this year, and uh, it was the same day weigh-in, and I, w- I was I uh, fought at 135, and I fought in Muay Thai um, anywhere from 135 to 140, and it was always the same day weigh-in. So yeah, so you can't really cut too much. Yeah, so for me, 145 was actually for the, one of the very first times. It was one, it was a time that I didn't have to cut any weight and actually could eat breakfast and dinner the night before. 
I was watching some of the prep videos. Yeah, and yeah, you, yeah. you had like this, uh, you know, this this big, uh, you know, steak dinner prior to the prior to. The, you know, <laughs> and I was like, man, this guy must be really confident. He's yeah, gonna yeah, get that yeah. weight. No, I was, I was definitely, I was definitely. I, I even weighed in. I weighed in at like one forty two or something. I was. Uh, oh, okay, so you're naturally. I was even under. Yeah, yeah, I was a little bit under that, and and yeah, my friend Van Allen Flores, he started this blog and like a video a video blog. And uh, yeah, he was documenting everything I was eating. Yeah. So <laughs> definitely, definitely was uh, interesting in that respect too. Because usually I'm a little bit more private, but this this way, uh, some people got to see a little bit more of what I was doing. Now you uh, have a lot of experience doing like tr- you know traditional rules, uh, you know Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments, as well as this, this sort of new um, submission-only format that seems to be like a very popular format these days. So you know, was the training different or? You know, basically, was there a different different approach that you had? Or? Yeah, you know, um, you know, just this, you know, to go a little bit off topic, just for a second, I think that uh, uh, what you said is is, is uh, very true. Like, I think that this submission only format uh, is, you know, gaining a lot of popularity, and for good reason. Um, I'll be honest. Like, um, if I'm sitting at home, it's uh, pretty difficult for me as a fan or as a spectator to watch some matches. You know, the more traditional matches, but. You know, maybe as a teacher, I watch it more like to examine some positions and then, but it's almost like homework for me. Um, but definitely like fights like EBI's, a lot of the submission only fights, Abu Dhabi fights, a lot of these formats, like I watch them just for fun. Yeah, like just very enjoyable. Yeah, they're so enjoyable and it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to enjoy um, some of the more traditional fights because there's so much strategy going on in them that the, the pace is a little bit different and you know it's, it's, it's definitely much more intricate um, so it, it's enjoyable in its own sense but I definitely think because of uh, the excitement the submission only uh, style is, is, is uh, kind of you know on the rise and I'm you know I'm, I'm going to make a small prediction that you know in 5-10 years it's definitely you know it's going to be the elite and it's going to be like uh, kind of the recognized you know format like right now if you want to be you know the top of the top you have to win the IBGF World Championships you know, um, pretty much that's the standard, you know, and I think it's, it's always going to be the standard. I think the, the past champions, of course, are always going to be legends for life. But I think like some of these new sub- submission only tournaments soon are going to reach that level. Um, I'm not sure when, but I think sometime soon. And, uh, you know, for an IBJJF, like and a lot of the, the points tournaments, like what happens is, you know, if you're down on points, um, the, you know, sometimes it's very hard to, to, to win the fight, you know, the, because the other person knows how not to get submitted and how to kill the clock and what to do to just ride the match out and then win the match. And the reason that they have to do that is because they have several matches and they're going on in a day, so they can't just burn themselves out um, and going crazy if they're already having a, a, a lead in the score points. Um, if somebody has a lead in the score points, it's not their job to, to get any more points and it's not their job to even to submit the person. The person that's losing, it's their job to get the points back and then try to, you know, win the fight and, and uh, get it in their favor. So a lot of times, like, you know, you can't get in training, you can't get swept, you can't let somebody pass your guard, you can't let even a small advantage, like somebody doing shoulder pressure on you from top half guard. Uh, you, you have to fight for every inch. Um, and training for this EBI was a little bit different because, you know, you can have a little bit more fun. Like if somebody passes your guard, it's not the end of the world. Let's see what, let's see what kind of scramble I can try to get after he passes my guard. Somebody mounts you, you can do a lot of escape straight into an ankle lock, a foot lock. You don't really have to worry about the foot placement. So a lot of things like that was kind of almost like a, like a, a different, like a fun, fun new way to, to train. So that was the main difference. Did I... Uh, because I know, like, I've never done a, a you know submission only tournament before, but I know like the, the approach of doing a points tournament versus a submission only like you, 
your, your whole training, I mean, I would think that your, your approach to training would be completely different, though. Is that true? Or? Yeah, the, the, the training was definitely, it was definitely different. But also, you know, to be honest, like, when the fight started, um, it, it threw me a little bit for, for a loop because, like, uh, I didn't really know what to expect. Like, um, I, I said to myself, man, he, he's going to just try to, like, it's almost like if, uh, you know, I, I know you come from a you know, Muay Thai background, and, you know, I like to make comparisons between striking and uh here it's like you know from the from in, in Thailand right the first few rounds are kind of feelers and yeah, then, you feel it out. and then this one it's like you're going in and it's the equivalent of the guy trying to knock you out from the opening round you know so yeah in that sense it's the same thing like the, you know you know the guy's going to try to tap you from the first second whereas in the more traditional tournaments and a lot of other settings uh, this doesn't happen usually you know you you, you establish some point uh, uh, lead in the points you establish you know some positions and then after that you get some you you, you start to go for submissions it's 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 almost a rare from the the opening bell the person jumps on you and in this format that's ex- you know exactly what's happening in some of the later matches I noticed that people were you know giving up positions pretty quickly too as far as like there weren't a lot of takedowns like in that in that particular yeah, division yeah, yeah. and I thought that that was really interesting to me because um, you know just having a wrestling background and that sort yeah, of stuff you just want to take the guy to the mat right yeah, away or you know or do a throw or something like that I don't know. It was very interesting. I watched the the Metamoris, uh, you know, matches as well, and the they were really exciting at first. But the one thing that I had a problem with that was that at, at times you would have a lot of draws. Yeah. But with the the EBI rules though, there's the overtime rounds, and that mm-hmm. really gave a very distinct winner. And being a, a tournament format with brackets, that's like the most important thing for people yep. to advance. Yep. 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 So yeah. Uh, the the really interesting thing about EBI, um, just so in case some, somebody doesn't know, is that the the rules state this: um, the, out of the out of the sixteen competitors, uh, one is going to get a uh, cash prize. Only one person gets the money, and actually, they're not even guaranteed the money. The only way they get the money is if they get submissions in the in the regulation in the ten minutes. Oh, okay. So, so it can't be overtime. Right? You can't. You okay. don't. So so hypothetically, if, if if you go into EBI and then you win every single match, but you win it in overtime, you get zero. You don't get anything. Wow. Um, you get five thousand dollars per submission in regulation. So that's a huge incentive. Um, and it's, you know, a lot, definitely a lot of people are doing EBI because it's a huge money. It's twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. In the future, I think it'll be even more. Um, but definitely, uh, there's a chance that you, you don't even get paid, and people know this. So this is a you know big incentive for people to to fight hard, and I really like this. I think it's very smart because um, you know my favorite uh, fighting organization w- was and always will be Pride. You know I really love Pride, and um, in Pride I remember it was so exciting because if two fighters are kind of like stalling, kind of not fighting, the referee would pull out a card, yeah, the yellow card, the yellow card, yep. and then. From from you know I, I'm not 100 percent sure if I'm correct or not, but it, it was a, I was believe I believe it was a deduction in their in their pay if they got like a yellow card or maybe if they got the second one, but it, it had something to do with the pay. So you know if if you get like you know a pay cut because you're stalling, like that makes you angry and then that makes you want to fight more, which is what you're there for in the first place. So you know definitely I think you know these kind of like money incentives really throw things for a loop and make it more exciting. So you also have um, a judo background too, right? That's correct. Yeah, you know, I started with judo. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm Ukrainian, Russian speaking, and you know, from, from from where I am from, and the way my parents see it, like like children when they're growing up, they have to be involved in some kind of uh, you know martial art. Um, doesn't really matter what it what it is. And 
Um, you know, a lot of people uh, from where, where I'm from do sambo, but really I believe judo may be a little bit more prestigious just because in judo you can go to the Olympics and in right. sambo there is no Olympics. So, I mean, they're both really high, but, you know, judo, it's like really, you know, it's really prestigious. So, like, um, I went to like a judo summer camp um, when I started. and But, you know, to be honest, like judo, I was never really good at it. Um, and uh, I... I did it just because I really liked my coach and I had a lot of friends there, but I was never good at it and then um, I was just there just for fun. Did, um, did, so your whole Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, experience, was that all, all under Vitor Shaolin or you trained at different places at first? Yeah, so I started when I was 17. I started in 2006 and Shaolin uh, wasn't in America yet and I, ju- I, I just found a place next to my house in Brooklyn. So I started in a school in Brooklyn and then after a couple of years there, um, Shalom, I, I saw that Shalom came to town and you know um, just his views on um, training fit my views uh, better than the school that I was at uh, because the school that I was at was not competitive they were just more like uh, you know more into just uh, like self-defense type thing just a, just a different focus and Shalom was into competition I wanted to compete too and uh, I wanted to see one of his classes and I, you know, I wasn't even like sure if I was going to sign up to his school or not. But after the first day in his school, I just signed up right away with my friend uh, Marshall, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. So, you, you got into MMA with last year. You're saying was your just this past, this past year, year? like a six months ago, like in March. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, March. So, I've seen you do Muay Thai at Kobans. Okay, yeah. so did you get into Muay Thai to do MMA, or did you just find Muay Thai like separately? Yeah, uh, what happened was. Um, uh, my one of my coaches at Shalons Laurel. He's a you know he's he, he's a former Bellator uh, world champion, um, and he, you know he's a big idol of mine. And then um, uh, I would see him training uh, Muay Thai in um, in Shalons like before class and stuff. And he would always be training with with a guy named Charlie. And uh, then I was always watching. And then one time they invited me to train. And then you know I was just gonna do it just for MMA. But then I kind of just fell in love with the art itself. And then since after that. Um, I seeked out Koban and I started training with Koban. And really, I never had any any intention of doing like Muay Thai seriously. Just I just wanted to, you know, do it again for MMA. But then I, I liked it so much that uh, I actually did a few uh, Muay Thai fights um, and uh, just you know straight Muay Thai rules. So that was you know definitely out of my comfort zone and definitely you know very fun. Yeah. Um, they're out in Jersey because I know there's a lot of fights out. In yeah, they were all out in Jersey. Yeah. There was well, actually one this weekend. That uh, there's a Friday night fight I think on Friday. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we have a guy from PCC that's fighting. Oh, cool. So cool. I'm, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I, the Friday night fights. I wish I got a, a chance to fight in them, but I, I just never. For some reason, I was always in New Jersey uh, on, on some cars in Jersey. But it's okay. It was a lot of fun. So how how is uh, any more any more MMA fights? You, you think about doing more of that or? Yeah, I think now I'm, I'm focused on I'm going to be focused on two things, and I'm kind of seeing the opportunities presented to me. Um, so I'm still focused on MMA. I'm still not 100 percent sure, you know, how my career is going to pan out. Um, but I'm you know I'm looking for MMA fights, and at the same time, uh, I definitely want to do like more of these like submission only yeah. type tournaments and. You know, I, I think it's a lot of fun and, you know, uh, definitely less chance of getting injured than in an MMA fight. And um, also, you know, MMA was, is, is pretty frustrating. Um, you know, not a, lot, not a lot of people talk about it or, or even know about it, but, like, um, it's frustrating in the respect of, like, uh, a lot of times the fights get canceled and you have to, you know, 
you prepare for an opponent and then you know it's a couple of days before he just pulls out and there's all this kind of you know you know these kind of uh, struggles with that whereas um, you know me and Shalon talked about it like he was like yeah you know in BJJ you were spoiled because no one ever pull, pulls out of a BJJ tournament or you know sub, you know these submission only tournaments because you know it's yeah it's not MMA you know somebody's not trying to elbow you in the head yeah, yeah. and knock you out so you know definitely I think like um, it's 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 almost simpler maybe to uh, compete in, in some of these jiu-jitsu or grappling tournaments than it is MMA um, so yeah I'm just gonna just play by the year and, and, and see what happens yeah the anxiety of there's a different level of contact obviously I mean um, like you just mentioned you know in MMA someone's trying to knock you out potentially or maybe submit you or get you on your back and like pound your face in yeah um you know but with jujitsu it's like you know the worst that can really i mean obviously you can get injured you can get you injured know, but, yeah, but usually it doesn't even happen usually yeah. yeah usually you just tap out yeah or the referee stops it, or the referee stops it yeah but um so i mean when you was your uh, your mma fight was that in jersey or new york state that was also in jersey okay because yeah. now when new york you know we, it's legal on a professional level yep, so yep, yep. Not being familiar with amateur MMA or professional MMA and the different promotions, was there sort of like this unregulated murkiness in New York State when it came to both? Either I mean, there was no professional MMA, meaning that you yeah. couldn't get, you know, um, any regulation for it too, right? Do you know? Do you know anything about this? Yeah, it's it's a little bit confusing about like what's regulated and what's not regulated because yeah. there's a lot. I, I think there's a lot of promotions that were, you know you know having MMA shows and stuff and I don't know how you know regulated they were and uh, there was this dispute from what I understand there was disputes with other states like so if another state saw that you were fighting in New York then they would kind of like blacklist you and not let you fight because maybe they think it would, you know it's more dangerous you're, you're fighting kind of like unsanctioned um, I think now it's definitely more sanctioned but also from my understanding um, the you know um, the insurance aspect of it is something that the people don't talk about, and I don't think like like mid level or low level organizations can afford the insurance to have a professional show in New York. I from what I understand, only the high you know the higher organizations, the UFC, maybe Bellator, or other you know companies like this, they can afford to even put on a show in New York. So uh, I'm excited you know for the future, but definitely it's a big step in the right direction. But we're still not there yet. We you know you know my dream would be for us to have the same amount of shows as Las Vegas, for example. Yeah. Or in Las Vegas, they have professional and amateur shows like every weekend, and there's so many opportunities, and it's just much easier to get a fight. So now let's talk about this facility here, because uh, Master Sky, like what that, is that a that's a, a Eastern European name, right? Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. a Russian word. It's okay. a yeah, it's a word. It, it means uh, the, the the real way to say it is Master Sky, but just the English version is Master Sky. Um, and it's the, it just means like workshop, like a place where you you know hone your craft, uh, a place where you build and make something. Um, it could be it can, and it could be applied to anything, like um, any craft. And a lot of times, uh, like uh, car car uh, mechanic shops are, co- are called Nasirskaya. But I think it's applicable to jujitsu because in jujitsu you're building something and you're building yourself, and uh, it really is like a workshop. Because uh, there's you have a partner, so. Basically, the space currently is sort of divided between sort of a daytime session and a nighttime session. Yeah, exactly. So my partner, we split it, you know, so it's kind of easy to understand. Um, he's dealing with uh, uh, kids, 18 and below, and I'm dealing with adults, 18 and above. So um, he just finished teaching the kids class. So uh, right now he has uh, kids uh, ages, I think, from 7 to 17. Um 
and uh, I'm afterwards at night I, I teach the adults. So now online, um, you know, if there's anyone out there who wants to get in touch with you to like, you know, like websites, like, you know, it's, it's Facebook page, like how do people find you out there? Like, you can, um, you, know, if you can uh, look in my website, uh, masterskaya.com, the way it's spelled is the word master, the word sky, and then the letter a.com, um, Facebook, uh, masterskaya, um, email me is brooklynmasterskaya at gmail.com. And, you know, the reason that uh, this is an important question is because, like, I'm not keeping my address public. Um, th- this is almost like a kind of like a little like secret club, so to speak. Okay. And the reason is, is because it's donation based. Right. Um, and uh, everyone is welcome to come, but just, you know, just so it doesn't get too chaotic and too out of hand because it's just me so far with the, dealing with the adults. I want it to be uh, easier to manage. So I ask people to contact me before they come in. And then once they're in, that's it, they're in. You know, then I know them and then they can just come in anytime they want. So, but just the first time, I want people to contact me first. No, that's a good plan, actually. Yeah. You know, one, one, of the, one of the downsides, I guess, of MMA becoming very popular is uh, sometimes, like, uh, but let's say, I'm not going to say the wrong element, but uh, sometimes there's a different type of element that shows up to train martial arts than, like, you know, someone that I would like to train with, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. You know, I think, uh, you know, martial, you know, definitely in, any, in anything that you do, like, you don't want to come in with, like, ill intentions and, uh, you know, the the good thing is that like if somebody comes in with ill intentions in other places, you know maybe hard to regulate. But if they come in into a martial arts school, from my experience over just the years of, t- of training martial arts, is um, either their intentions change re- really quickly, or they never come back, um, because there's no such thing as somebody coming with ill intentions and actually succeeding in doing something bad. You know, usually, you know that and that's why I'm here to keep an eye on everything and then. I make sure that they get partnered up with the right people that they can't do anything to. And then, you know, uh, my, one of my favorite expressions is uh, that there are two types of people in this world, uh, those that are humble and those that are about to be. So definitely, you know, a lot of people all over the world um, that come into a martial arts school, maybe with a, a chip on their shoulder or something like that, uh, definitely they're in for a, an awakening rather quickly. Um, and the hard thing about a lot of martial arts is that it doesn't happen uh, that that quickly and the reason is um, there's no sparring um, but in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in my school you, you spar from the first day so right away you get to see exactly where you stand and you get to either change your attitude or you know you're just never going to show up again yeah that's that's a definite big difference because I know even even in Muay Thai like you can you can train for years and just hit pads really exactly and, exactly. You, know, and you have no real clear idea where your skill level is as a, you know I mean, you can hit a stationary target but once you're in a situation where you're reacting and trying to, you know, put together combinations against an actual person who's trying to put together combinations and move out of the way, it's a completely different, uh, different game. But yeah, with jujitsu, from well, actually, when I, when I first started training, I didn't. We went. We had these fundamentals classes where you know we would just drill for a period of time, and then we went into sparring. Mm-hmm. But you know, the instructor had to be like, okay. You can you can train fundamentals too and, and roll, mm-hmm. and that first day was like, you know, like I like I said I came from a wrestling background, so I was used to the, the contact and used to grappling. But but when you start trying to string together those techniques that you learn in the drilling with an unwilling partner, it's like a completely different yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. world, and uh, and that really gives you a realistic idea of what your skill level is, and that. You know, you, as much as you've learned, you still have like 
this like infinite staircase of levels to go up to before you can you have only just started to chip away at like what the actual knowledge is you know yeah for sure yeah but uh but yeah dude thanks for uh you know i enjoyed our conversation and uh you know man it was, it was great coming down to the spot and um yeah i gotta head out soon yeah myself, cool man but uh but yeah this is it i'm happy you finally got to see it so yeah uh yeah we got really lucky because like when we um I had a completely different idea. Okay, well, what was your original idea? My, my original idea um, was this. My original idea was, like, uh, to find an, an, an artist. I think I, maybe I told you. I think it was um, to find an, a loft. Okay. I was looking around Greenpoint, and I was looking around Bushwick and Williamsburg. Yeah. Like an artist slash industrial loft where I would just, you know, put a little bed and put a little shack and then okay. put a mat down and kind of just have, like, a home dojo and... Uh, just people can come in and out, you know, at any time they want to and just, you know, train kind of out of my house. Wow. Something okay. like that. And, you know, and I mean, this is not a new idea. This is, you know, from Karate Kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then from uh, that, a lot of other people have done that in the past. But I, and I don't know about like, an, uh, an, you know, a city like New York. I don't know if this has happened here. Um, and I was looking for these places. And the thing is, you know, I think maybe it was illegal and I don't know how well that would go over, you know. So, you know kind of I guess uh, you know a blessing in disguise was this place like you know uh, Ivor and I we kind of we, we were we were just looking around and then he actually wanted to do a coffee shop and then we were looking at potential coffee shops because you know uh, if, just like you I love yeah. coffee and yeah, then, yeah. you know uh, so we were just looking at potential we were just like brainstorming and then we saw this place and then it was an old dance school and then we looked at it and it couldn't have been better we were just like we're going to take it right away and uh, Ivor, he, he wanted to teach kids and stuff, but, you know, from my understanding, I don't know how soon it was, but he just decided to just jump right in. And, and you know, now he's doing an amazing job. And, you know, he has, you know, every class is like, you know, five to, to ten kids coming in. And oh, cool. it's, it's really, really nice. And he's only a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks in, you know. So uh, you guys didn't, you had bad luck with uh, spots in Greenpoint, like the loft type thing? <laughs> it was just too expensive. Yeah, you know? man, I couldn't it's crazy, man. Well, Greenpoint, I would, that's my, my dream was to be in Greenpoint because I think it's just, I love the neighborhood so much. Yeah. Plus they have the Peter Pan Donuts, which I really love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was my favorite Mexican restaurant called Acapulco. I really Oh, love yeah, it. you like that place? I love that place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that place is great, actually. It's a yeah. great, it's a cheap and it's, uh, food is always really good. I love that place. Yeah. So. Yeah, Greenpoint is, like, maybe yeah, 10 years ago, that could have been happen yeah. like I've been living there for a long time and had I not been living there for a long time I wouldn't have been able to afford to live there now because yeah. my rent hasn't changed since oh, okay. I moved in um, which is a good and a bad thing because sometimes I like think about like how my landlord's probably like thinking about selling the place and knocking it down or something <laughs> so I'm like I don't know man things are yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. weird because like all through that neighborhood there's buildings being taken down and new buildings know, going I see, up I see. but like 10 years ago that idea probably would have been a lot easier to execute yeah. But now it's just like too expensive. So hopefully I caught that in this neighborhood. I think maybe this neighborhood is going to be the green point in 10, 15 years, you know. So potentially I, I see this neighborhood kind of changing a lot. And this is a really cool neighborhood too. Um, yeah, there's definitely, um, you know, haven't been, been around this neighborhood, you know, on and off for the last like several years. It's definitely changed quite a bit. And then and the M train, the JMZ comes out here. Yeah, and it's I think so, right? Yeah, yeah, JMZ, and then the L is not too far away. The ACE is in Bed-Stuy, not too far away. So it's it's pretty. It's really it's a really central uh, location. Yeah, it's pretty easy to get to. Yeah. So the guy who took over for you at Cobans, he's he's someone that you knew. He was a friend. Of yeah, yours. he's a friend of mine. He's a, uh, trained with me at Shalins for many years, and uh, you know he he started to teach uh, 
um, in a couple of places around Manhattan, like kind of like uh, part-time gigs. And then so he started to teach a little bit more and more. And then um, I think he had some time and it was just a you know, perfect fit. So, uh, you know, he took over and then I'm happy that, you know, uh, you know the students are, still have somebody and then he got a new job and then, you know, Koban gets to keep a jiu-jitsu program. So it kind of worked out for everybody. Because I didn't want to just let leave and just leave them without somebody. Because this place came on very rapidly. Like um, the the landlord here, he you know, uh, it was very clear that if we didn't take this spot, that somebody else would have taken it. Oh yeah, definitely. You know that, and you know, it, it was such a great spot. So we had to jump on it really, really quickly. And we were just looking around, just browsing around, and then we're like, no, this is you know, this is it. You know, when an opportunity comes, you can't just uh, you, you, you can't just sit around way too long. You know, I guess same as in martial arts. You know, you can't just sit there like a sitting duck. You know, you're gonna get. You, you need to make. You need to make a move. So that's pretty much what we did. You do uh, uh, gi and no gi here too. Yeah, you know, I started. You know, every day, fi- Monday through Friday in the gi, uh-huh. and then uh, then I was like, no, let me do some no gi. Like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I was gi, and then Tuesday, Thursday is no gi. But I'm even debating. I'm thinking of making it more no gi. You know, because no gi has really become like, you know. There's you know been a big positive. Uh, uh, everyone's really liking it, and then I'm, I'm thinking of making even 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 a little bit more no gi than gi. But I'm still playing with it. I'm still playing with the schedule right now. It's only one class a, a day from Monday to Friday. And it's an hour and a half too. Hour and a half exactly. Yeah. I think an hour. You know, I think an hour. Many places do an hour because yeah. like they're just people. People are in a rush. But I think an hour and a half is definitely uh, nicer. It's you, you have more time to do some drills. You have more time to like go over some techniques. So I think it's nice. Yeah, especially with jujitsu. Um, you know, you do warm up, a couple of techniques. You drill it a little bit, and then everyone just wants to go right in the rolling. And with with that extra thirty minutes, um, you can really get some quality drilling in before you go into yeah, the rolling yeah. part of the class. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I always I always like the hour and a half classes, but unfortunately, that sixty minute format's like kind of like it works out like with every if you're scheduling other classes around that exactly yeah Yeah, because like you know in a three hour period you would fit two classes in instead of three exactly it's like such a weird thing for sure and uh in in a couple of weeks i'm having uh my my uh, boxing coach uh maurice uh maurice hood and he's going to come in here and he's going to start doing some boxing classes too really yeah, so I'm going to build it up too. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm a fan of every martial art. I respect every martial art, um, and I really, really love boxing. So, uh, and Maurice is—he's he, been really helping me a lot, a lot with like footwork. A lot of the things that I, I, I never really got to do in my time, I'm now doing in, in boxing with Maurice. Um, so he's going to be coming in here a couple times a week. You know, starting a boxing class, um, and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we're going to build it from there too. Yeah, especially uh, with the way that. The ties do Muay Thai with the footwork. There's not a whole lot of it, really. Yeah. Yeah, like um, like the Dutch style is a little bit more footwork oriented. Um, you know, just like more more head movement and more footwork. But like the way that we learned it at, at Koban, it was like very flat footed and very stationary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but doing American boxing, I mean, that's I never actually done American boxing, believe it or not. Yeah, you know, it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's pretty interesting from Muay Thai because in Muay Thai. You know, just from from the way that you know, I was taught like like every punch is like full on speed, like the jab, the jab. It's almost like an Anderson Silva jab. You know, it's it's not it's like a it's like a left cross. It's not really a, like a jab. <laughs> so uh, the jab is strong. The 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 cross. Every every punch is strong. Every kick is full power. Everything has to be faster. Everything has to be stronger. And that's a, that's really amazing. You know, that's uh, 
that's what makes Muay Thai fighters, in my opinion, some of the toughest combat athletes in the whole world. You know, but um, a lot, like a lot of like this, I guess you know, in the you know some Chinese you know martial arts, the way they speak about soft and hard, a lot of the soft aspects. Uh, I don't really see it that, that much in Muay Thai. Like, there's not that much soft. Everything is very hard, very, very, very strong. Um, but in, in boxing, there's I feel like there's a little, little bit more softness. Like, you you know, some of the footwork that you do, some of the, the the ways that you slip the punches, you know, some of the ways that you set up some big shots, you know, some of the punches. Because in, in you know in uh, boxing, it's uh, 12 rounds. Um, you know, whereas in Muay Thai, it's five. So. You know they ha- they definitely learn how to conserve some of the energy and definitely since they don't kick they don't exert that much energy but it it it, 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 be- it makes it a little bit uh, more interesting um, and uh, I'm definitely been enjoying it but I still love Muay Thai I still train uh, Muay Thai and then you know I'm just I like everything you know where, where are you doing your Muay Thai this year? I'm training with Charlie uh, the guy that originally uh, he introduced me to uh, Koban and the guy that originally uh, I saw doing Mu- Mu- Muay Thai with Loro. Uh, he's a you know huge friend of mine. You know, he's like a little bit behind the scenes uh, kind of guy, but uh, he's definitely been helping me like so much. And uh, I always had a great relationship with him. And you know, um, he has a full time job, but you know, whenever he can, he you know he always coaches me. A lot of times, I would go uh, to his building, to his house, and sometimes I meet him in challenge. And then you know, we always try to get some training in. And you know, he, uh, I definitely love my time. A big reason is because of him. Did you do any strength and conditioning or anything like that? You know, the strength and conditioning, I, I, I what I do is, um, you know, a friend of mine named JJ uh, Biasucci, he, he helped me, you know, he showed me a lot of like uh, body, body weight movements and like yoga movements. And then, so I kind of combined like a lot of calisthenics, yoga, body weight kind of stuff. And I just do it as part of my jiu-jitsu training, but I don't really do it too much separately. Um, sometimes I'll do like some pull-ups, some yoga, and things like that. But you know, definitely not in a routine as as I probably should. Um, so I definitely want to make some time for that. Yeah, I started getting back into doing like, like I I went for a really long time without just just only doing body weight stuff, and then now, you know, training over with Gavin Van Black, and that's like he, he's like very strength, much into yeah, like strength and conditioning and. Uh, you know, deadlifts and kettlebells and all that kind of stuff. So I have an opportunity to work with a guy who's, like, you know, very well-versed in all that stuff now. So, but, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just, you know, getting, a lot, getting on in years, man. So you got to keep that bone density going. So I got to, like, lift heavier weights a little bit, you know. Yeah, I, I think uh, also, like, weightlifting helps prevent injuries, too. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, because you're, you're stronger and then you know how to tense your body at the right times. And a lot of times, uh, if if you don't know how to do that, then you know maybe you're you know risk for injury a little bit more. So I think I think weightlifting, even beyond you know the strength that you get, the condition, you get, I think it's even like the prevention prevention of injuries and things like that. It's such a huge benefit. So I think it's it's great. It's just something I personally don't do, um, and I actually like it. You know, when I when I lifted weights, I, I enjoyed it. I just uh, uh, I don't know. Just uh, not sure. Maybe in the future I'll do it, but as of right now, I don't do it. One of, one of the things I don't like about weightlifting is like for for a period of time I had um I had one of those ten dollar a month memberships at uh, Crunch Gym. Okay. And like it's such an impersonal environment. Like yeah. no one really talks to each other, and there's like, you know, it's like a very solitary thing, as opposed to like training jujitsu or like Muay Thai, where you're like yeah, there's yeah. more of like a, a, a a team aspect to it. Yeah. And um, that's the thing I didn't like about going to like a regular gym, and then ultimately that's why like. I thought about going, you know, training with Gavin because he's got all that capabilities there. Yeah, I think, um, like, you know, it's a reason why people get, like, personal trainers. 
I think a lot of people don't need a personal trainer. They can, you can, you know, they can learn which, which, what things to do, and they can have somebody write a program for them, and they can just go lift weights, right? But you know, the reason a lot of people get a personal trainer or they work with a group of people or with a friend is because that's added motivation and added fun. They get to talk to somebody, they make it a social thing, and you take your mind off of lifting weights, and you, you know, you preoccupy yourself with different things. Um, but and I think, yeah, I, th- I think definitely lifting weights by yourself. Um, it's, it's kind of difficult from the motivation aspect um, so that's why I think it's you know a gym is with people and with friends and lifting weights like that I think it's it's you know easier to, to you know to stay committed and you know not miss workouts and things like that alright thanks a lot Alex um, you know once again great you know great yeah, thank you man great luck on this uh, this new venture here and uh, yeah cool man thank you so much you got it <laughs>